0: I protect and defend, because my name is America, I stand proud and free.
1: Hello everyone and welcome. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. I hope you had a great week, certainly better than uh, the Democrats. (laughs) And to all of my Jewish friends, I wanted to wish you all a very happy New Year. Happy Rosh Hashanah. And this is year 5783. Imagine, folks, 5700 years Now, I wonder if the climate changed during that time, we are so lucky this week to have with us as a guest, as our guest, Chris Wright, who is a good friend and he's an independent liberty activist, Chris is amazing he travels all over the place. And he manages two incredible websites. I'm going to let him talk about it. And Jennifer Zung, who has been on the show before, but now has new information. And that's what we want to hear. So Chris Wright, I'm going to leave this
0: up to you. Karen, thanks for having us back. You said I travel far and wide. Well, that's only true in my own mind. Also, video conferencing. Other than that, I sit here and crank at my desk for uh, 80 hours a week. Anyway, um, I am the founder of the Anti-Communism Action Team. We are an independent grassroots group uh, founded about nine years ago to counter communist influence at home and abroad. And we have a website spider with hyphens between the words spider, hyphen, etc. And on that website, it's been up for a good eight or nine years. so there's lots on there. Uh, you will find a weekly news roundup and we cover the anti-communist news from home and abroad. And there's a free mailing list for that. You can sign up for that. Your listeners can sign up for that at spider at mail at spiderinthefly.com again with hyphens between the words. This is entirely a grassroots effort. It's a labor of love by the people who are involved. And so your contact information is never sold or shared. We also have a speakers bureau. We were on Zoom a couple of years before Zoom was cool. We've been giving presentations around the country, both survivors of communism and subject matter experts. We've been doing that for a number of years also. We've presented at the Heritage Foundation, the Leadership Institute. Jennifer, who you're gonna hear from, uh, has been on Breitbart TV and Levin TV, and uh, so that's that's what we're about. So that's us in a nutshell. Uh, I, I encourage your listeners to look at our website, sign up for our, our mailing list, and also if, if they have a group, uh, could be a church group, could be a, a school classroom. Uh, Five friends in five different living rooms. We can appear anywhere in the country through video conferencing and there are no speakers fees. Jennifer Zung, who is our special guest, is a valued member of our anti-communism action team, Speakers Bureau. Jennifer Zung was born in Sichuan province, China in 1966. She was arrested four times and held as a prisoner of conscience in a labor camp for a year. In the camp, she was physically and mentally abused and subjected to attempted brainwashing and and electroshock treatment. She fled China in 2001 for Australia, wrote a book about her experiences, and eventually settled in the United States. There's also a documentary about her life. You can find Jennifer's current reporting on China and her other work on the web at JenniferZoomBlog.com and also on her YouTube channel, Inconvenient Truths by Jennifer Zong 2.0. And we're going to get right to Jennifer, and she's going to talk to us tonight about Confucius Institutes and the pernicious influence they're having on American college campuses. This is one of the Chinese Communist Party's influence operations, and every, every American should know about this. Jennifer, take it away.
2: Okay, thank you so very much. Um. basically let's start with, with what is the Confucius Institute. It is actually a brand name of a Chinese language and cultural program that was actually initiated and promoted uh, by the government of Republic of China or rather the CCP in 2004 and uh, then since then it has been adopted by more than 1000 Seven hundred foreign educational institutions in 162 countries. So that actually has two levels of program. One is Confucius Institute, mostly in universities and colleges. And another is so-called Confucius Classroom that mostly in K-12 schools. So, so that's basically how it runs. It, it, it is in China, it's top down from the Hanban. It's, it, it is a CCP, Chinese Communist Party's agency that oversees all the Confucius uh, institution and classroom. And then uh, underneath that is a Chinese institution plus a foreign institution that they then set up the so-called uh, Confucius institutions. And uh, what is Hanban? So Hanban is like uh, the preparation for Chinese language office. It is under the educa- education uh, ministry of the CCP. So this Hanban is governed by the Co- council of Confucius institution headquarters. So they oversees all the programs uh, and uh, uh, everywhere. So what they do is uh, other than that, they also organize and compiling the publication of textbooks. So the structure of the uh, Confucius Institution Council standing committee is very complicated, but uh, underneath the headquarters. It has Minister of Education, Director of Overseas Chinese Affairs Office, Deputy Secretary of General Office, State Council, Deputy Minister of Finance. You see, this is finance because this actually in- involves a lot of money. So underneath that, we have a lot of other uh, you know, foreign uh, ministers uh, in China uh, involved in this matter, like Foreign affairs, uh, like propaganda ministry, like even the state administration of radio, film, and television, and of course, uh, the Ministry of Culture, Ministry of Reform and Commission, and the press and publication. All this, there are, uh, and, and even Central China TV, China International Radio. And all are involved because this is a who you know, you can say all government projects involving not, 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 not only the finance, but propaganda department. That's why the radio, TV, press, uh, you know, uh, and uh, as well as education institutions are all involved. So what this is what we know from the organi- organization level. So what the CCP says about you know Confucius Institution. So the former propaganda head of you know CCP Li Changchun said Confucius institutions are important part of China's overseas propaganda setup. So that is an admission. Admission from the CCP propaganda head, head and uh, Xu Ling, she is uh, the general director. She said something like, "Confucius Institutes are important part of China's soft power because we want to expand our influences." And the former uh, CCP head, Hu Jintao, that is the uh, CCP's general secretary and chair before the current one, Xi Jinping. So that was Hu Jintao's own word. We should prepare an army of people to make sure the CCP will be in power in the, and make sure we will increase our CCP influence around the world. To that end, Confucius Institute is our focus. We will discover and cultivate people from all races who sympathize and support the CCP. This is our army for future cadets and is our most important soft power. So no no, no question, Confucius Institute is all about the CCP's soft power and the, their influence and the cultural infiltration all over the world. So, but, you know, how did the CCP treat the, the Confucius really in the history? I grew up in the Cultural Revolution. So in my childhood, Confucius was, you know, uh, called as, the, as a bad person, the number one bastard sometimes in the, so it has been criticized all over, you know, during cultural revolution because it, during that movement, all the traditional culture was destroyed and criticized and as banned the old old thoughts, banned things. So in the history, the CCP regarded the, or, blamed or attacked Confucius as the number one blast bastard. But now because they need the Confucius to expand their soft power, now it's pick up this this name that was, uh, you know, uh, attacked by the CCP itself as something good to promote it. So, So, and, uh, but, you know, in in 2020, in July 2020, because of the Confucius Institute has encountered some setback. So they actually established the so-called the Center for Language Education and Cooperation uh, to replace the Confucius Institute because the Confucius Institute, because of all sorts of, I think, very aggressive cultural inf- uh, inf- influence operation got some setback. So we need to be very careful that they are now using the so-called Center for Language Education and Cooperation to replace, uh, you know, the Confucius Institute. So so for all those all those things, we all said that there's no free lunch in China, or there is no free lunch in the world. But why the Chinese uh Communist Party is uh up, you know provide us free lunch, actually, for the every every single Confucius institute or classroom. The the, Ch- the Chinese government invests a lot, including you know, cash grants. A foreign host institution typically receives a startup money for opening a Confucius Institute, and then an annual budget of sometimes 100,000 to 115,000 for hosting a CI. Some, some receive as much as millions. And the Chinese government also sent language instructors, advisory uh, committee members, and uh, teaching resources. So there are three tiers of Chinese instructors uh, in all these levels, but all this has to be um, employed by the CCP. And also uh, the host institute uh, also invest a little, but that kind of in-kind investment, not cash money and just some personnel. So the benefit of hosting a a Confucius Institute, including you can have a Chinese language program uh, is installed, established and run at little or no cost at low cost and then you can form good relationship with the Chinese government and sometimes regular free trips to China. So so that's how in all these years, like we said from 2004, it expanded very, very quickly and established over 1,700 globally. But if we really uh, check what it does, and uh, and uh, really, uh, like for the agreements itself, it it were there were many of concerns because uh, it requires confidentiality. You can't you know disclose it to other parties, and the hand bank has a final say about the programs. And all say, Confucius institutions shall comply with the laws and regulations of both China and the countries where they are hosted. So the regulation up inside China includes, you know, the Chi- like the Chinese branded Falun Gong uh, spiritual movement as illegal. So the threats posted by this so-called Confucius institution including your know, violations to human rights code, all volunteer teachers need to sign a hiring contract which requires no record of participation in Falun Gong and the instructors must be assessed by their political thoughts meaning those who have different political views won't be hired. And also there is the academic freedom and integrity and all, uh, all and. Stake because censorship and self-censorship on sensitive topics like Tibet, Taiwan, Tiananmen massacre, Uyghurs, Falun Gong, etc. are all you know either censored or you sometimes those teachers self uh, practice self-censorship. So. And and a part of that, the Chinese Communist Party's ideology sneaks into the CI textbooks and activities. And uh, the instructors are trained to and to you know to train to to, to the CCP partners. And uh, there is also national security concerns. Some Chinese instructors are just CCP informants or even spies. And the CI's Confucius Institute helped the CCP cultivate useful foreigners. There are a lot of examples of how this Confucius institution breaches the academic freedom. Like in 2008 in Iraq, uh, uh, tel <coughs> Aviv University closed an on-campus art exp- exhibition about Falun Gong in fear that the exhibition would jeopardize its Confucius Institute, in, uh, Institute and other programs. And uh, in 2009, in, here in the US, in North Carolina State University canceled an on-campus speech by Dalai Lama Fearing that the Tibetan spiritual leader's appearance could harm its CI, hence harm its relationship with the government, so there are tons of other, you know, examples of how the freedom, uh, the academic freedom in uh, in all those Western countries were jeopardized, and also. The CCP propaganda's mixed in the textbook. Uh, you know there are many, also many, many examples. I'm so you know shocked to see that all some of the songs like "I Love Peking's Tiananmen." That was a song in 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 during Cultural Revolution to glorify the 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 killer, the massacre, the Mao Zedong. He's a butcher, but they 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 text that or, or a song glorify him is still in the textbook. Even in China now, Chinese kids are not studying this text text during Cultural Revolution anymore. But here in the U.S., our children are studying something like "I Love Beijing." Tiananmen, Tiananmen is where the sunrise. Our mighty leader, Chairman Mao, leading all of us forward. So that a very famous song during cultural revolution and glorify the CCP leader Chairman Mao and our kids are learning this kind of thing. So there are, because the textbooks are, you know, created by the CCP. So it's full of propaganda and to glorify the killing history of the of the ccp so that i think is very very ironic and to, on the one hand we are send our men and women to other countries to defend their freedom but on the other hand we are receiving uh, you know, the, the the party like the CCP who has been killing their own people all these years and to spread their propaganda in American soil, like uh, like propaganda uh, operas during cultural revolution, glory, the violence, gro- glory, the killing, like we call them the red uh, opera. Uh, like the Red Detachment of Women, that is one of the eight modern so-called opera in, in Beijing in Mao, that was created by Mao's wife, Jiang Qing. They were all uh, operate uh, you know, displayed and uh, spread in the sea ice in, 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 in America and in other countries. So a lot of these kind of uh, examples, so, since two thousand and and 2002, like we said, it's spread like wildfire everywhere. The CCP really, I don't know how much money altogether they they put on this to infiltrate you know far uh, like western countries. so so that's the, the how banned once it was. Uh, however, I think in the recent years, I think uh, because more and more such case, uh, cases got exposed and especially I think starting from mm, former President Trump's time because he started to push back against the uh, CI, uh institution system, at least I think in during one year uh, American passed uh, uh, a bill uh, saying something if if a university receives fundings from the CCP or from uh, the Establish a CI with the CCP. They were not receive. the, the you know U.S. government or a defense uh, funding or that sort of of thing. I, I think since then, I think uh, some universities in some countries started to cancel or uh, can stop. You know, extend their agreement with this with the CI. So. I think uh, as of July 2020, at least 50 universities, two governments, and one school board in nine countries have cut ties with the CCP. So that is uh, a good good sign. So America also have a counter spike against it. Like I mentioned, the National Defense Authorization Act for 2019. Pro And 2020 prohibits American universities and colleges from applying funding for Chinese language program from the Department of Defense. So other countries also like Canada, I think in England uh Japan, Australia they all started to to push back uh, like Germany Russia Spain uh uh India uh, even Korea i think uh of course the north uh, south korea so, they all reacted to uh, to some degree to try to uh, push back to CA and also non official, uh, like academic community and media and grassroots campaigns against say I think could be seen there had an air uh, and there around the world. And they always, always put, um, I think, a positive role. Uh, that uh, to push back against the CCP's cultural uh, influence uh, in America. But like I said, uh, the CCP is trying to make a comeback just with changing its name to the so-called center of the language, educational culture, that sort of thing, because just by abandoning the name of the Confucius Institute, but keep the essence, so we still need to uh, educate ourselves and spread the message, I think, uh, and to recognize uh, uh, if they change a name, we should still uh, uh, be able to identify them and also resist the so-called Center for Language Education and Cooperation. And I do recommend if we do need to learn a Chinese language, we better cooperate with you know, organizations or educational institutions in Taiwan, because they preserve the real Chinese culture and Chinese car- uh, Chinese language and Chinese character. You know, in Ch- after Chinese Communist Party occupied China, they simplified the Chinese characters. They changed all so many Chinese characters. So if you learn the CCP's Chinese characters they are not the real traditional uh, authentic Chinese culture so that's uh, is a much better choice so that's the overall I think situation of about the uh, Confucius institution so I don't <laughs> I' I'm, I'm thank you I haven't yeah talked to for too long
1: no you're actually just perfect timing we have about uh, five minutes left Chris Okay. And Jennifer, this was of course incredible information. And you made one very key point that I have been harping on for a very long time. They can come at they we can get rid of them. We can throw them off of campuses, we can throw them out of kindergarten, K through whatever. It won't make any difference because they're in the textbooks. And as long as we keep on using the same textbooks, they don't have to be in our face. And that's what people don't understand. And they're so excited about choice, which I think is a great thing. I think choice is a really good idea. And I'm really happy to be involved in groups that are promoting choice. But then in the end, I ask, What is the difference of the location of where your child is going to learn communism? Does it matter if he learns it in public school, private school, home school, away from school, boarding school? It won't make any difference. As long as you're using the same materials, it won't make any difference. So I'm gonna to continue to harp on that message. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today and bringing us this information. And please, uh, anytime you feel that you have something you'd like to share, let Chris know and we'll be happy to make room for you. Uh, this is wonderful and very, very important and key. And we will be talking about this. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having us, Karen.
1: Okay. And folks, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And we will be back with our guest, Chris Wright. And I want to thank Jennifer Zung for joining us this uh, time. So don't go away. We've got a lot more exciting information to give.
0: on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpit iodine based nasal spray COFIX RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus and coronaviruses. COFIX is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD.
1: welcome back everyone this is karen Schoen. you're listening to the prism of america's education brought to you on the america out loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor the florida citizens alliance session is starting um in florida and it's not that it's starting and the representatives and people are there, it's starting low-key on committees. So now is the time to be aware in your state. Remember, voting is only one part. It doesn't mean that you go cast your vote and then go to sleep and wake up another year from now and say, oh, this was bad, and this was bad, and this was bad, and that was horrible, but I'll vote for the same person again. We have to stop doing that. If we want to make a change, you know, when I was growing up, everybody used to say to me, Oh, Karen, it's cyclical. Everything is cyclical. The economy is cyclical. Energy is cyclical. You have your ups, you have your downs, highs and lows, everything, people, everything is cyclical. And the cycle doesn't change. And I said, unless you change it. And he said, I never thought of that. I just thought of the cycle. So we're in a cycle right now. And the cycle says that if we don't get out and vote and bring a friend to the polls, make this election, bring a friend to the polls election. Why am I saying that? You had to take clues from what is going on in Brazil. Brazil was running, President Bolsonaro was running. In every district, just like President Trump, whoever he supported won. And yet, 12 o'clock, there was a document dump. And all of a sudden, he started losing. And that humongous lead that he had evaporated to a 47-43 uh, runoff, And for, in this case is the only time I would say that's a good thing, that they have runoffs in those states, in those countries, because it gives him a chance, again, to mobilize. They have to overvote so much that it'll be impossible for anyone to cheat to make them win on the vote side. They have to overvote, and we have to do the same thing here and frightening people and stopping them from getting into uh, things that they would do normally for horrible reasons, like this pandemic that was just designed to mess up the election. Well, we have to understand what they're doing so that we can put all of those pieces together, and nobody is better than that. And my good friend, Chris Wright, who I'm privileged to work with him on a program um, regarding the enemy within, I would have to call them, Chris, because these are people that we thought we could count on when we sent them to D.C., when we sent them to our cities, to our state houses, And they just turned around and stabbed us right in the back. And we call them rhinos and we're hunting. So thank you so much, Chris Wright, for joining me today. Can you tell everybody about the rhino hunt?
0: Sure. I started the National Rhino Hunt team. And uh, thanks for having me on to talk about it. And you are a valued member of the team. There are eight of us from all over the country. It's completely a grassroots effort. And I started it because I have a network of 1,400 people from around the country, and it has a national Tea Party, it has a grant-making nonprofit, it has various working groups. But I kept hearing from everybody around the country, I kept hearing the same thing, that their local Republican Party is in, in the hands of the establishment, it's in the hands of the rhinos, and they can't make any headway. And so they go up against the, uh, the local grassroots conservatives, go up against the local leadership, and most of the time they lose. So I got interested in this problem because uh, I was hearing the same thing everywhere. And so I started the national rhino hunt team <clears throat> so that we could give grassroots Republican conservatives uh, a leg up, a way to fight back. I started it in February of 2022. We spent the last several months developing methodologies to defeat the rhinos. And I figured it was easy for local rhinos to beat local conservatives and for uh, conservatives to get demoralized after their defeats and quit. So I wanted to change the dynamics and bring in uh, national attention to local situations and see if that would make a difference. Now, conservatives successfully have taken over the GOP in Nebraska and we've studied their methods. Also there are major efforts underway in Florida and Oklahoma and uh, we're keeping on top of that. Also we've talked to various people around the country uh, from Florida, from Michigan, and other places. and uh, we listened to what they were doing. And so we compiled it all into a, a one list of methodologies and we have uh, we share it with others who are also in the fight. And we're available to talk to groups about our methodologies anywhere in the country through video conferencing. And you can get to us by writing to me at my personal website, tips at liberado.us. That's L-I-B is in boy, E-R-A-T is in Tom, O.us, tips at liberado.us. We have a web page. It's also on liberado.us. And it's uh, if you just go to the main button bar and look for Rhino Hunt, it'll take you right there. And on that page, we put a steady stream of stories about rhinos and the Republican party on that page. We also do confrontations. So, for example, we confronted the Minnesota GOP on why they didn't do anything with James O'Keefe's video documenting election fraud in Elon Omar's district. So we do confrontations. We also have a candidates page, candidates from around the country who deserve a closer look and perhaps your support, starting with Harriet Hageman, who uh, beat Liz Cheney in in the Republican primary. And so uh, we have various others from around the country. So again, your listeners can reach us at tips at liberato.us. Contact us. We want to hear your story and help you take on the rhinos in your area.
1: Well, I am so proud to be part of that team because we are people who, as Chris said, are grassroots. What does that mean? It means we work. We put our money where our mouth is. When we say we're going to go to a commissioner meeting and to do a confront about something, we do it. And we don't cower in the corner. We come up and we say to them in their face, but nicely. We're never not polite. We always treat them with respect. But remember, they are your equal, not your better. I never call them senator or representative. I call them what they call me. If they call me Karen, I would call them Chris. If they call me Ms. Schoen, I would call them Mr. Wright. It depends on how they address me. That makes us equal. I don't have to go, oh, senator, and then cower at their feet. You don't work that way. You want to get them to respect you the same way they respect everyone else. You're not subservient to them at all, even though they have spent the last, I would have to say, four decades trying to dumb down the people so badly that right now we are living the results of probably the dumbest population. And that is so sad to say that because this is a couple of hundred million people that are functionally illiterate coming out of American schools that we spend upwards from $20,000 to educate one child. And I know in Florida, there are 2.9 billion children that go to public school. So how much money is that? Too much money for them to say, we're going to give this up and we're going to walk away and play nice. Doesn't work that way. And as Jennifer said in the first half, what a wonderful woman, Chris. Please tell her I admire her. The things that she has gone through and then to maintain sanity like she does is truly amazing. I really commend her. But she was talking about what they're doing in our schools. Chris, what's China doing to us?
0: Well, Karen. The bad news is that the Chinese Communist Party isn't just a problem in China. It's a problem for us. I call it the China swamp. And there are people in Washington who are in China's pocket. There are people around the country, especially rising politicians in the Democrat Party who've been co-opted by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, and so it's a problem for us, too. The, there was a book written about, oh, I don't know, six months ago by Peter Schweizer, um, forget precisely what the title is, but the concept in that book that was revelatory to me was he called it elite capture. So our elites have been captured by uh, the Chinese Communist Party, and that uh, doesn't uh, uh, bode well for our sovereignty or our survival or, or anything. What I've done is I keep track of stories about the China swamp, and I'd like to tell you about some of them now. Oh, great! The Hunter Biden laptop is the gift that keeps on giving. Memos on the laptop show the Biden family was involved in 21 deals in 2017 and 2018 to sell U.S. natural gas facilities and other energy assets to communist China. The ultimate goal was to give China ownership in all different phases of the natural gas industry in the United States. Lest you still believe the fairy tale, Hunter Biden's laptop is just Russian disinformation, you should know two whistleblowers with firsthand knowledge of the deals have stepped forward to verify the details, including the fact Joe Biden was a partner in one deal to the point he had office space to work on it. This is another reason to elect Republicans to the House. They have promised oversight hearings to bring all this to light. It has also recently been reported that emails show Hunter Biden offered to introduce business associates to a high-level Chinese Communist Party official, helped the Chinese influence operation gain a foothold in America, and co-founded Sinopec, the Chinese state-run energy firm to which Joe Biden has been selling oil out of the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve. But it's not just the Biden family. Chinese incursions into the U.S. are widespread, extending throughout the Biden administration and beyond, and involving land purchases, media, and influence operations, and infiltration of college campuses which Jennifer talked about. The Energy Department reportedly sold advanced government-funded battery technology to China. A Biden climate appointee who talks openly of leaving fossil fuels behind studied at a Chinese university flagged for its ties to China's military. The university specializes in defense research and cyber attacks. Joe Biden appointed John Podesta to oversee $370 billion in climate spending, which is worrisome because Podesta sings China's praises and encourages Chinese investment in American infrastructure. Last year, Joe Biden reversed Donald Trump's ban on American businesses working with China-connected TikTok. And thanks to Joe Biden, Colleges and universities no longer have to disclose their connections to China's Confucius Institutes. China is rebranding the institutes to escape all the bad publicity the institutes have generated. The Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, which receives federal funding, hired 20 members of the Chinese Communist Party between 2015 and 2021. There are concerns YouTube demonetizes channels raising questions about China's activities. A Chinese biotech firm with ties to China's military and COVID-19 program bought 1,400 acres of farmland in Florida to build a research facility. Observers are concerned this is part of China's expressly stated goal of developing bioweaponry. Some 162 scientists who worked at Los Alamos returned home to China over the last 35 years to help China develop its nuclear and advanced weapons programs. The China Swamp is where personal corruption breeds national security threats. If we're going to expose our soft underbelly to the Chinese communists, don't be surprised when one day they slice it open. Tell your congressional representative to get on the case. But China's influence operations also extend to the state and local level. You might also start asking questions about China's involvement in your neck of the woods.
1: Um, And by the way, I... I believe that Governor DeSantis, uh, one of the state legislators, I can't remember his name, said that the land deal with China cannot go through because it's not zoned for what they want it to do and they won't allow a zoning change due to climate I thought that was quite good. So, um, and Governor DeSantis, I believe, either in a press conference, and I'm not sure if he wrote it as an executive order, but they are not going to have any Chinese land in Florida. But I must add just one thing please beware of Rick Scott. Florida has many foreign companies in its midst, owning property pieces of Florida due to Governor Scott, who used to fly all over and go out to all over the world because he was enticing the corporations to move to Florida. And so they did. And that's why as Nancy Pelosi in a, I don't know, I, I, I don't know which one's worse, Chris, Nancy or Joe. Uh, They're both incoherent. I can't make heads or tails out of anything that either one of them say. And Nancy Pelosi said that Florida needs... She doesn't know why the governor is sending the illegals away because Florida needs them to pick cotton. They use machines, Nancy, dear. That's what tractors are for. (laughs) People were prior to tractors. Hopefully... That's a good question, wouldn't you think, to vet somebody running for office? What do you, what do you know about China?
0: Uh, yeah, and what do you know about Chinese influence in operations right. in the United in States? Your,
1: in your city, in your county. Do we yeah. have Chinese influence in our county?
0: Yes. I, I mentioned the local level in my neck of the woods, in, in uh, one of the Maryland suburbs here. There was, uh, uh, they wanted to, to pick a, a sister city. So they picked a, a city in Taiwan, and somehow the Chinese, um, the communist Chinese, got wind of that, and they went in. They they tried to fight it. So they're working every level. Oh, they every have level. Uh, uh, <laughs> they have a sister city.
1: They have a sister city. We also have a Moscow sister city in. Idaho, I think. I think it's Idaho.
0: I mean, a a city with the same name, but they. No, no,
1: no. They interacted as sister cities. When I was teaching, they used to send letters back and forth, like, have a pen pal in prison. Right. Okay, have a pen pal in Moscow because we're in Moscow in America, in Idaho. I know. For a fact that the San Francisco-Oakland Bay um, Bridge, when it collapsed, well, the firm that put it together was Chinese, and they brought their workers over, and they created a little city, and they paid their workers $12 a day. Now, what about those $15 an hour people, Have come they don't yell? when the Chinese bring over their workers and pay them $12 a day, because they deduct all of their expenses. So it winds up that they get an allowance of $12. Well,
0: you mentioned climate change, and I did another commentary that uh, touches on an aspect of it that I haven't heard anybody else. did a little research, uh, if you'd like to hear about that one. Sure, yes. Uh, I just wrote this last Friday. Of course, Hurricane Ian was bearing down on the mainland. Uh, so this is what I wrote. Major media outlets are all aflutter blaming climate change for Hurricane Ian. But the real hurricane is bought and paid for so-called climate journalism, producing a vortex of fake climate change stories. CNN commentator Don Lemon kept pestering NOAA's hurricane about the effect of climate change on Ian. These storms are intensifying, Lemon's claimed. The exasperated director finally said, I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Climate change may be making storms worse, but to link it to any one event, I would caution against that. If you tuned into NPR last Thursday night, you would have heard the claim hurricanes are intensifying because of, wait for it, the announcer said, climate change. The Gulf of Mexico has gotten warmer. Sounds plausible, but there's just one problem. There's no correlation. A PhD meteorologist examined all of the major hurricane strikes in Texas since 1870 and plotted them as red dots on the time series of sea surface temperature variations over the western Gulf of Mexico. As can be seen, major hurricanes don't really care whether the Gulf is above average or below average in temperature. Hey, but it sounds good, right? What is, producing this, what is producing this intensifying storm of climate change stories and fear-mongering? At least three huge efforts to drive climate change journalism have launched in recent months. The first is Covering Climate Now, a collaboration of Columbia Journalism Review and The Nation Magazine. It has 400 media partners, reaching 2 billion people. It supports partners with, among other things, story ideas, editorial content and consultation, webinars. Collaborative coverage and promotion when partners run a climate story. So they'll give the media outlet the story, instruct the outlet on how to tell it, and gin up the left wing media echo chamber when the dog jumps through the hoops. Guess who are the partners? NPR stations and NPR's Here and Now program. Imagine that. Guess who won one of their awards for climate coverage? CNN. Imagine that. Who's paying for all this? The Rockefeller Family Fund and other left wing organizations. That's who. Left-wing funders are also behind climate change coverage at another major outlet, the Associated Press, which is pushing the the narrative that climate change is making Ian worse. AP received $8 million from various left-wing funders to hire more eco-journalists. $8 million will buy a lot of yapping from the 20 reporters AP has hired for its new climate reporting hub. The money puts AP in a financial conflict of interest. So do not look to AP for unbiased coverage of so-called climate change because climate change advocacy is where AP's bread is now buttered. Finally, the committed left-wing activist Barbara Streisand funded a new Center for the Impact of Climate Change at UCLA to speak truth to power and save the planet. So don't ask me to take seriously any of the media outlets receiving guidance and funding from left-wing activists for climate change coverage. I just can't. Not when I know these media outlets are bought and paid for, hired guns who will say anything to keep the money flowing at a time when journalism is in financial distress. Media outlets now take funding from the communist Chinese and all other sorts of dodgy sources to keep the gravy train running. You can add climate change Fanatics to their list of funders. Ka-ching, ka-ching.
1: And it's always, that's what it always is about. It's always about the money. When you were talking, and as you were talking, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so now we have this great reset, and all these companies are going to have to do everything green. Do you know how expensive those homes are going to be to be rebuilt? It will be outrageously disgusting. So hopefully we will have a governor DeSantis who will say we will follow the Miami-Dade building code, which is a lot better than any of the other ones that I've ever seen. I don't know, Chris, we we are entering into some really tenuous
0: times well there's a a couple of things that that worry me now that you're mentioning that one is that the left and the democrats are trying things they would not even have dreamed of five years ago and one of them is the censorship of conservative voices and so you've got this amazing case with the uh, attorney general of i think it's louisiana Uh, the case is in the discovery phase documents are now being uncovered that show collaboration between the uh, Biden administration and the tech companies, the the social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. So you got this lawsuit and the the, uh, papers are coming out now showing uh, collaboration between the Biden administration and the social media platforms. And you can say they're private companies and they can do what they want, but not when they hook up with the government to censor people. Um, so uh, they they can face liability if they're going to become what's called a state actor in the law. Another thing the left is doing that uh, hasn't been done uh, up to this point to to the scale that's being done now is persecuting political enemies. And we can start with Merrick Garland's memo calling ordinary parents <coughs> who speak up school as school boards domestic terrorists and go on to the w- FBI whistleblowers are telling us about how domestic terrorism cases are being faked by the FBI so the agents and the supervisors can get uh, award bonuses and promotions. So we've got government by phony narrative. Uh, that's, that seems to be something new. We've got censorship and we've got persecution of political enemies. Things are not going Now right what
1: could direction. be better
0: plus
1: <laughs> what, what could be better is, is uh, the perfect storm people, we have to listen to what they are talking about and prepare. And we can't put our heads in the sand and say, this is not going to happen. It's going to happen, especially uh, after his recent executive orders, which is another show in itself. Chris, thank you. Thank you for bringing this to us. And please tell everyone where they can find you.
0: Sure. For this end of my operation, it's my personal website, liberado.us. That's L-I-B as in boy, E-R-A-T as in Tom, O.us. And to reach me about the uh, rhino hunt team, the national rhino hunt team, it's tips at liberado.us.
1: Okay. And I would like to see everybody, if you have a rhino in your neighborhood, send them to us go to liberado.us and go join and start sending us your rhinos. We can't hunt them if we don't know who they are. And that's what we have to do. We have to expose them. We have to tell the truth. We have to let our friends and neighbors and people who live in our communities know what's going on. Because if you think that the only corruption is in Washington, You have another thing coming. If you think that the only corruption is in the Democrat Party, you have another thing coming. There is corruption all around. When there is this amount of money flowing as freely as it does, you have to believe that there is corruption. Because that is the only thing that motivates these people. Money power and the ability to control us the best way they can. And I heard a horrible story in the couple of minutes that we have left, Chris, on uh, not Dr. Naomi Wolf. Her team discovered that the vaccines are destroying the sperm of the men now, and infertility is going to be massive on the menu. Plus, they are figuring that by the time this has run its course, over 2 billion people will die. Folks vote. That's the best thing I can say. You have to vote. You have to understand what what's at risk here, because everything is at risk. Everything That is around you. These people have a plan, and that plan has many names, but it's always the same. It says, We will control you. And by the way, you are no longer relevant. We don't need you. You have outlived your usefulness, and as a result, you are no longer necessary. So meet your replacement, which will be a machine. From what I am reading, uh, this machine is not far away from existence. They are working on it. So every time you hit the keyboard and you're on one of their websites, like Twitter, like um, Facebook, or TikTok, or something like that, just think, every keystroke you touch, everything you do is being recorded for them to use against you later on. Crazy world, folks. We are living in crazy times. We've got to pay attention and we've got to be prepared. So that's your job for the week. Read up on our articles. Go to liberado.us. Go to your town meetings. Don't let them change zoning laws without you. They have no right to. Make sure property right protection is in your zoning, your plan, your comprehensive plan. Have a wonderful week, folks. See you again next week. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Thank you all, and have a wonderful week. Good night, Chris. Hi, Karen.
0: But I've always been proud and free
1: I'm America, don't tread on
0: Yes, America is my...